Hello and welcome to the second ever episode of the Tag Team Talks. Today we're going to be talking about rich text editors and some of the solutions that are out there in this very exciting and growing space. Uh, first thing I want to do though is get a little bit of a look at our guest today. Uh, my name is Preston So. I am the moderator and contributing editor to uh, Tag One Consulting and I'm joined today by several amazing folks from all around the world here to talk about rich text editing. Awesome. Uh... My name is Michael Myers. I'm the Managing Director at Tag One. I handle uh, business development, sales, partnerships, marketing, strategy, client relations, things of that nature. Hi, so I'm Kevin Jans. I'm located in Berlin and I'm an expert for shared editing and uh, CRDTs. I currently work for Tag One Consulting on a real-time system. Hey, I'm Nick, um, and I've done a lot of front-end development over the last couple of years and also was uh, digging into Draft.js. I actually built a plugin system on top of Draft.js uh, and now doing a lot of work uh, on the same project as Kevin, the real-time uh, collaboration stuff uh, with ProSmira. Hi, my name is Fabian. Um, I take one. I'm currently a senior technical architect and performance lead. But on this project, I'm especially excited about um, kind of bridging the gap from for the editors. And um, I'm a Drupal enthusiastic um, Drupal 7 core maintainer, but also a long-time Drupal 8 contributor, where we are also kind of having this switch over from CK to 4 to maybe CK at 5. So going to the next generation. So this is really exciting to work on a project where we are exploring all of that. Thanks very much to all of our guests. It's a real pleasure to be here with all of you today. Um, this is a very meaty topic. We're gonna to be talking for uh, quite some time about this, I'm sure. Um, but first, I just wanna say good morning, good afternoon, good evening to wherever you are in the world. Um, and if you haven't already checked it out, there's actually a previous webinar that we've done related to this topic on collaborative editing. Um, it's about how it relates to the ways in which people work today. And um, I want to make sure that uh, uh, we refer back to that webinar. So please take a look at the link um, also available on this page. Alrighty, so let's go ahead and get a quick background on Tag One. And why are we interested in rich text editing, Mike? Sure. Uh, so Tag One, we handle mission critical systems, uh, emergency management. We've helped organizations like the American Civil Liberties Union go from uh, raising $4 million a year in donations to over $120 million a year. Uh, after President Trump in the U.S. came into power. Uh, so we do a lot of uh, performance and scalability. Um, we do high availability. We work with a lot of Fortune uh, 500 companies like Symantec, uh, doing cybersecurity, infrastructure management. Um, for this particular project that we're going to be talking about today, we're working with one of the top 10 uh, Fortune 50 companies. Uh, they are uh, rebuilding their intranet. It's a highly available, highly scalable, mission-critical system uh, used across uh, 200 countries with you know, over 20,000 active users um, in uh, well over a dozen languages. Um, Real-time collaboration is uh, key to how uh, the modern workforce operates. You know, uh, I spend a lot of my time in things like Google Docs, collaborating with the team on all sorts of things. Um, and while our goal with this intranet is to integrate a lot of, you know, different systems and not reinvent the wheel. Uh, so, for example, uh, you know, you'll get a summary of what's going on in Slack on the intranet, but uh, all that information comes from Slack. And the idea is just to link you off to Slack. 
Um, you know, uh, these days people use a lot of third-party tools for what they do best. Uh, the challenge with that is that they are disparate systems. And so if you have Box and Slack and Quip and all these other things, uh, it's hard to know what's where. Um, and so this system really organizes all of that with you know, centralized authentication and user management. So you can say, create a space for a particular group and it'll spin up all of the necessary artifacts that you need from say Slack to you know, Quip, um, manage permissions, um, and so you, you know you can use any of these systems independently, but everything is sort of synced, meta-searched, and managed across this centralized system. Uh, and then a key component of the system itself is collaborative editing. And they have, uh, as you can imagine, with a global workforce of you know uh, 150,000 plus employees, uh, they have a lot of people with different use cases and needs. And so. Uh, some people, let's say technical people, love Markdown and want to work in one type of editor. Uh, people in other groups and departments might prefer WYSIWYG. Some people want to be able to edit HTML directly. Um, and so, you know, the reason that we're looking at editors uh, on top of the ability to do real-time collaboration and work together on uh, information in real time uh, is that we need to accommodate a lot of uh, features, plugins, enhancements, and uh, different users in different spaces. And so we took a, a wide range, uh, we took an assessment of a wide range of editors in the marketplace, did analysis based on our feature requirements, um, narrowed it down to a field that we're gonna talk about today, and ultimately selected uh, an editor. I think this landscape is, is, is quite broad. I mean, you know, there's so many options out there and it's very difficult to choose which ones are appropriate, especially given that there's so many requirements that people have today. And being able to actually choose based on a variety of different features, um, which we'll talk about in just a little bit, uh, is, is, a, is a huge prerogative. I mean, there's two areas that you just mentioned, Mike, that are very interesting. The first is the real-time collaboration, which has its own challenges and its own difficulties, um, which was the subject, by the way, of our inaugural uh, tag team talk. And of course, our second topic today, which is really what a rich text editor is, and, and combining those two really unleashes a lot of power for these content editors, but it is also very challenging from a technical standpoint. But let's go down to the very, very basics here and the fundamentals. Um, you know, sort of in, in, in its most basic sense, how would we as a group define a rich text editor? I think that's uh, really, really hard to make a general description of a rich text editor. I think most people think about Google Docs um, when they hear that, but I would say that a really basic rich text editor is something that supports boldness, italic, and headlines. That's it for me, um, because often you really need that feature set. That's basically what you have in Markdown and that you want to have in all the other editors. Sometimes you write a blog post, you basically only need these features, right? For us um, uh, developers, it's really important to have code blocks too. Uh, I think that's a really important feature, um, but um, I don't think everyone agrees here. Um, there's links and uh, tables are actually, a lot of people expect tables, but uh, not all editors support tables. So for me, a rich text editor is uh, yeah, something that supports this, uh, contrary to pure text editors that only support working on text, uh, maybe only paragraphs, uh, and no rich text formatting. 
Was there a certain minimum that like, uh, like a threshold that you wanted to reach in terms of the number of features? I know that we, um, that you all have done a really strong comparison of all of the features available. Was there a certain point where you said, okay, well, we can put a dividing line here where we can say, all right, everything above here, we can definitely look for, but everything below this line, perhaps we should maybe strike out of our requirements. Yeah, I think um, a baseline for this project, yeah, we had um, a baseline, a feature set that we want to, to implement. And for our use case, it was really important that um, our editor is adaptable. And this is not a requirement for all the um, uh, projects that are out there. Sometimes you really just want to have a plugin editor that just works and does the basic stuff, right? But uh, for us, we wanted to do some custom stuff um and yeah for this um and some editors support that and some not that as well yeah i could dive in here and give one one example uh that kevin mentioned uh this is for example the tables um i worked a lot with draft.js in the past and i know you can do tables and it's possible um but if you want to do uh, more than just a simple text field and then have like rich content again in a table field. Um, this is really, really hard to do with Draft.js. Um, so what people came up with ideas was like Draft.js per field, uh, like editors per field in a table. Um, and then this gets really, really heavy on, on your, uh, if this has to run on a web browser, while others, uh, um, support is because the structure internally, how the how the data is managed, is completely different. Uh, this is uh, completely different. So um, uh, while not, yeah, basically depending on what your needs are, um, it completely rules out certain um, editors uh, right away. Yeah, that's also what I found in my research of editors. Um, <laughs> tables are really tricky <laughs> with like an image in a table where every normal person is like, hey, that's so easy, it should just work in that. And yeah, and um, I've, I've also seen two uh, for two other editors, either Slate or Quill, um, where the table plugin was basically instantiating another complete editor within that and then doing some magic to hide the one toolbar, show the other toolbar, so that it's still a seamless experience, but uh, yeah. There's, um, once you go, go away from those basic features like bold, italic, those they all can do code play. Quotation may be a little bit more complicated, but basically, so what's kind of used from, from what you are used to from, from kind of all the old editors most can do. That's not a problem, but once you get into the nitty gritty and really want some features like autocomplete, you type something and you get a table or something like that. We have said not yet, but it's so useful and so practical and so nice. Um, but um, some editors, it's just way more harder to implement than others. I think we can all agree that um, as it gets more and more complex, you kind of question the usefulness of some of these, especially the, the inline tables or, or some of those formatting options. Um, well, you know, I think we've talked a lot about formatting and, and, and you know, clearly formatting is a, is a very, very strong interest to a lot of the content editors that we work with on a daily basis. But I think we also, uh, uh, you know, Mike mentioned earlier something very interesting, which was about document formats and the interchangeability between those. That's also a very important feature of rich text editors because you can do whatever editing you want to, but if you can't extract it and move it into uh, a different format or, or, or make it usable for other systems, it doesn't make any sense. And so I'm curious, um, you know, when we talk about 
these document formats, um, do all of these editors support uh, Markdown, HTML? Um, do they all support rich text? Um, and, and, and I guess my, my even more uh, pertinent question here is, how easy is it to switch between them uh, in these editors, or is it possible at all? I think it's important to distinguish like uh, the, the underlying document model of the art editor um, that is often JSON-based, like especially in uh, rich text editors, and um, how you interact with the um, editor. Most editors somehow support um, uh, some positional parameters. So insert something at position X, uh, something like that, right? Um, because that's how we human, most humans comprehend text editors. So we somehow try to port that to rich text editors. Um, there are some editors like uh, ProseMirror that are more structured. So you really need to say, okay, um, I want to insert something in this um, in this paragraph inside this table at this position. Um, but this is also translated to index parameters because also ProseMirror, which is structured internally, um, accepts something like index parameters. So insert something at position one, for example. Um, and I, I really like that, especially um, like in comparison, Quill.js has um, also an internal model that is purely based on position parameters. Um, it, it accepts um, changes that are defined as uh, the delta format. Um, and I really love this data format um, uh, because it's um, a really easy description how to insert something into the editor. It's index-based, right? Um, and it is also perfectly suited for collaboration. But something that is really hard when you only work with index parameters is designing tables. Um, so uh, when you work with tables, um, I think like something like Crow's Mirror, um, which is more structured, is um, it's something really cool. Yeah, what Kevin said um, is is um, very great and and important, but might have been a little bit too. Too, too much already, too deep already into uh, what our agents expect. So I would like to really um, like to step a little step back and just show kind of what is this kind of document model. And we are here at a very exciting point for me personally, because we are at a transition point. All the old generation editors, CK editor four, um, and whatever you all had there, some nicer, some not so nice. Um, they all have been um, built on something that's called a content editable. And this content editable was basically supplied by the browser. It um, allowed basic formatting and every of the trillion browsers that are out there, even browsers within the same uh, name, implemented it differently. It was a huge headache. So all the editors said, no, no no more content edits, but we really don't want that anymore. So what the new, uh, the huge advantage of this old generation of editors is you threw them some HTML, it was outputted out of Word, and they could take it. It might have not looked nice, but they could take it. They could see it, they could display it, you could even edit it. So you just threw some HTML on them, and then you get also HTML out. So for something like Drupal, that's perfectly suited. You load the HTML from the database, the user edits the HTML, and now it's saved again to the database. The new generation of editors, CK Editor 5, Prosmo, Quill, they're all having some internal document model. 
um, and we are seeing that a lot also in other cases of the lab and everywhere that um, we are kind of using this um, this extra languages this uh, um, languages that allow kind of to express the same what was in that HTML but differently and because they are all having this internal document models um, what you can do is you can for example take in theory at least you can take the same document model and once display it as uh, what you see is what you get but once you could also display it as markdown because as long as you don't have like something that markdown doesn't support um, within it and you can basically translate back and forth because the only thing that changes is kind of the transformation from document model to what the user is editing and how you are working on that document model versus um, the other thing and that makes for really cool demos uh, we'll put in a link uh, to approach more demo where you can really you have a technical person they know markdown all comments out of the hat they're just putting it markdown you have a non-technical person they can collaborate on it um, in the same document because the other person can just click on bold and it's bold and they see it as what you see is what you get and that's so cool in the new generation of editors and later we'll talk a little bit about the challenges but um, I think that was a good introduction. Yeah, I think, um, and, and, and just to add a little bit, you know, even more context here, I think, I think you know, when you talk about, Fabian, the ways in which um, we've evolved over time, I mean, long gone are the days when we had those PHP BB formatting toolbars, which were limited to, let's say, three or four different buttons, and they never worked, you know, half the time, to nowadays, you know, this very advanced and very uh, almost abstract way of working that is, is really kind of a layer above, you know, where you're talking about working with JSON as opposed to working with direct HTML or direct, uh, uh, you know, text. We're actually talking about an object tree, which is really amazing and I think is, is, is very compelling. Um, so let's go ahead and, and, and move a little bit towards uh, um, some of the more business requirements here. And I want to, um, you know, I do, I do want to talk a little bit about this Fortune 50 client that you mentioned. Um, you know, we know that all of these editors and all of these uh, powerful tools do have the functionality to do these formatting changes, have the abstraction layer uh, uh, as part of this new uh, uh, data, you know, this, this kind of new document model that we talked about. But I wanted to ask, you know, there's, there's kind of differences in how each of these editors, um, like ProseMirror, like DraftJS, uh, like Quill, you know, how they manage all of the underlying data and also how customizable they are. Um, can we talk about some of the key, you know, some of the key requirements here? What's maybe some of the major characteristics that you all wanted to see um, come out of this project? Before we jump into the, the technical stuff, I, you know, I think one of the key things, well, first of all, it had to be collaboration ready um, because you know, we're integrating this with a, uh, a real-time collaboration system. Um, but you know, beyond the extensibility that, that Kevin talked about, um, which is critical because you know, their needs are constantly changing, we need to integrate it with a lot of different third-party tools and systems. We want to add things like at mentions that tie into central authentication. And you know, I'll let these guys you know, dig into that. There were a couple of uh, business requirements. One of them was you know, prove it. Uh, we looked at some really interesting uh, editors that are still in the earlier stages of development. Um, and you know, we could swap them in in the future. Um, you know, th that is another aspect of extensibility. Um, we may choose to change editors in the future or give different users different editors. Uh, but for, for launch, we need something that's proven, something that is really stable, 
um, that has a robust open source community behind it that is continuing to develop it with you know maintainers that are really responsive. Uh, we wanted to make sure that it was being used you know in enterprise production by uh, large organizations. Um, so Prosmere, for example, is used by the New York Times, you know, and they've written some great uh, posts about it. They were generous enough to, you know, get on the phone and talk to us a lot about their experience um, to sort of confirm some of our research and thinking in like real world scenarios. Um, you know, so, you know, that was really critical uh, just from a before we can even evaluate these editors and dig into the features. Um, you know, there were there was sort of a minimum bar. Yeah, and and also what what was important, kind of uh, from the proven standpoint, uh, Prisma, for example, and we will come later to that um, conference. Almost everyone knows many workers at um, it's built upon Atlas Kit, and Atlas Kit itself is built upon Prisma. So that was another plus point. The uh, C set I, I uh, Zuckerberg initiative. Um, a non-profit um, they are building some google docs like clone uh, based on prosmora uh, also very interesting so we had had several things to just work with and to uh, to see and um and use in that and um you use those demos and they just work tables look great things work in that so and that was a huge plus point here for prosmora in just being proven by being used by other larger organizations Maybe I can add a word to Atlas Kit. Uh, I mean, we we gonna dig in later, but um, Atlas Kit, um, as Fabian already mentioned, Confluence is built on Atlas Kit, but not only Confluence. Basically, every Atlas Kit is this design system from uh, uh, from Atlassian, and everything we're building at the moment, uh, everything we're rebuilding, redesigning, is built on top of Atlas Kit. So they have this editor, um, core editor, built on top of Prosmir in their design system and this also gave us in, in terms of like uh, I don't know kind of showing off um, at the client uh, uh, a good head start in the beginning because we, we I mean they had a different design and they had different widgets but we could take a lot of that stuff um, uh, uh, put a different design on top of it and get a lot of that uh, 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 tools out there so while it was not really a requirement uh, it was a really really good uh, um, way to like impress early on um, and yeah because Atlas, Atlas, Atlassian has done a great job with Atlas Kit um, that could give us a good head start and yeah accessibility multi-platform all of that um, um, is built in. Let's dig into some of some of these. You know, you know, I think I think Nick, you know, for you know, you, you just mentioned multi-platform. I mean, this is a really interesting uh, uh, kind of idea where um, you know you should be able to use a rich text editor what on whatever device on a on a phone, on a tablet, um, on on an Electron app. Um, uh, can you talk a little bit about sort of you know how uh, you thought about multi-platform and 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 um, why why was it so important to these folks? Um, I think in general, you know, the world is becoming way more mobile and uh, while desktop is still the, the, the main use case probably for this internet, um, but people more often check uh, what they want to edit something on mobile and while we currently don't target it, we wanted to pick a platform that we, that we at later on can expand to it. Um, and um, yeah, uh, I, I can tell from like some editors, um, they have their fair share of troubles with mobile, 
um, because simply the environment is different browsers behaving differently. Um, so the, the underlying document model sometimes already struggles. Um, mostly they're, they're working fine and it's a matter of UI UX. Um, but yeah, you basically want to pick something um, that works, definitely works on all platforms so, so you can um, expand uh, in all directions. And one thing you just mentioned also as well, Nick, that I wanted to call out is, is the notion of extensibility, you know, third party integrations, being able to work with other tools. Um, you know, one thing Mike had just mentioned was the notion of being able to tie in at mentions and, 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 and integrate that with the central authentication system. I also know that, that um, there are other third party tools you want to integrate with um, and, and that you see as being important for these rich text editors. Um, can you give some examples of those or, you know, uh, all the group, feel free to jump in as well. Yeah, absolutely. So let's say um, uh, let's say you wanna you wanna uh, reference uh, um, a Dropbox file or box file, or um, you wanna mention another user. These are then custom nodes, and so if you have an editor that only supports the standard HTML tags um, and doesn't allow you to to like make your own kind of uh, nodes, uh, then you you can't do this um, and. Uh, that's why this, this goes back to this uh, document model. Basically, the document model of the editor has to be extensible. Uh, so you can actually add your own extended and then allow to build a user interface to add these custom nodes in there. And then um, however you want to implement them, there, there's like you can just reference an ID to a GitHub issue, for example. Um, and then you could load the data on demand or you could actually put uh, data in document. Um, this this then uh, uh, it, it ties together into like you know there's authentication system and and how you load the data and so on. Um, this is very dependent on the needs of of security and, and customer requirements. Um, but in the end, like the, the gist of it, you want to be able to to like um, create something where you can be uh, add a toolbar item to add GitHub issues and connect them and have them in the, the rich text uh, document. And yeah. this, is, uh, this is something where you, um, I mean, you could have, for example, even still custom markdown syntax. Um, but yeah, for this is where WYSIWYG uh, usually like outperforms um, uh, markdown or other systems uh, by far because the, yeah. the experience is so much better. For example, hover over them and then it would show you all the details of that GitHub issue, if there's a pull request or not, etc. Possibilities are endless, obviously. And um, I think that's, that's so very cool about that. And um, what's also really great about um, this kind of editor integration is um, that there are so many um, possibilities in in um, extending that. For example, uh, one thing we didn't talk uh, yet about much, but um, correct me if I'm wrong there, but um, we're building kind of everything on React components. So the, um, so um, we had, you just have kind of like your standard React component for like an autocomplete and then you can put it in the editor. It's also another nice thing here about Prosma where you have like the, the display in the document and how it's displayed in the document, what's outside the document, um, different. And that's also another important part for accessibility, which 
would probably also want to talk about. Absolutely, yeah. Accessibility is a is a topic that's very near and dear to my heart personally. Um, and you know, I know that Mike, you know, you just mentioned earlier as well that that um, you know, when it comes to a large uh, Fortune 50 company like this one, being able to work with this very large workforce that has a, a variety of different abilities and a variety of different uh, needs is important. Um, and so, you know, we alluded earlier to some of the kind of challenges around accessibility with rich text editors. We talked about things like content editable, uh, you know, the content editable attribute on DOM elements, um, ARIA labels. Um, what are, you know, you know, I know that we've looked at some of the capabilities and we talked about some of the, some of the nice things that these, um, that, that, that these editors have. Um, are there any that I've missed um, besides the content editable and, and, and some of the ARIA features? Kevin, you want to take this or should I? <laughs> you do, you do, please. Okay, um, so in, in general, I mean, a, a lot of accessibility you get out of the box if you have a same content uh, or a document structure in HTML. Um, so if you have like uh, um, headlines well structured and so on, it makes it easy for, for people, uh, 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 for, for uh, the screen readers and so on to, to pass the content and for people to, to jump around uh, with uh, just by uh, voice input, um, but then if you um, if you actually like make pop-ups, dialogues, um, if you have uh, toggle buttons, um, there you get into the nitty-gritty details that you if you make your custom ones, you really have to take care of accessibility by your own. So um, if you look at all the like uh, standard toolbars and buttons that that um, a lot of these uh, editors provide um, or come with, they, they have accessibility built in and that's really good because um, that shows that this is already like um, a standard that, that is kind of expected. But as soon as you start to build your own like ad mentions um, or uh, a GitHub uh, plugin to, to, um, uh, 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 to, to reference pull requests and you, you're doing your own pop-up and dialogue, you really have to take care of yourself. Uh, take care of it by yourself and this is um, this is still a lot of work um, and uh, we were fortunate that Atlas Kit um, did a lot of good stuff out of the box that we already got the feedback there are a couple of improvements we can do um, but that's that's okay um, the, the initial uh, um, response was uh, quite impressive um, but yeah it's it's just um, Maybe the gist of it is like, even with these new editors, um, uh, although they're using content editable, you can make them very accessible, but you have to, um, as soon as you do custom stuff, you have to do it by yourself and you have to take care of it. Yeah, and I think that, um, you know, you just mentioned this notion of, of, of all of the custom work you um, have might potentially challenge some of the accessibility and, 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 and be, a, be a problem. I mean, um, this is where, you know, having that, that notion of great flexibility and extensibility and customizability comes with great responsibility as well. Yeah. Um, you know, I know that the, one of the things you mentioned was the pop-ups. Um, you know, for example, having that autocomplete widget show up with the app mention, um, that's very challenging. And, um, uh, you know, as, as somebody who, who, who likes to think through, you know, how would I build that accessibly? I actually don't know where I would start. So that's a very, it's a very challenging one. Um, <laughs> uh, we we, we uh, very recently had a call with, with an accessibility expert to, to talk through that, um, uh, that one. And yeah, it's, it's um, there are things like, so 
I, I've built a lot of React components in the past that, that were focusing on accessibility, but even I learned in this call a lot about uh, new concepts like live regions. Um, you can have a live region in your document, um, and then you can announce basically um, state changes. So for example, one thing that we learned that is uh, what we're currently not doing yet, uh, but we definitely want to is you, if you toggle, if you have some text and you toggle it to, to be bold, um, you, you should announce that. You should announce the state. Is it now bold or is it not bold? Because by just hitting the toggle, um, if, if, you, if you listen to the voice, um, uh, the, the screen reader will just tell you, you toggled the bold. Uh, you toggled the bold state. And it's like, uh, okay, but which one? Yeah? Uh, is it now? And, and this, is, this is very, very interesting. Yeah, because um, you, yeah, you really, I mean, the, 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 well, what I learned basically is um, uh, turn, on, turn on the screen reader and like uh, dim your screen so it's black and just try to, all the actions that you usually do in this text editor, try to do them just by navigating around um, uh, with your keyboard uh, or with voice and, and uh, yeah, it's, um, if you can get through it then, then you're in a pretty good state already. And we, by, by doing this test and this call, and learning about all these things, we, we noticed that there's a bunch of things that we're missing, but we're working on it. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting journey. <laughs> wow. Well, I know what I'm going to be doing this evening while I, uh, <laughs> after I get off work. <laughs> uh, sounds like actually a lot of fun, um, like playing the game Mist or something. Um, <laughs> so, um, I, you know, I know that there were also some specific requirements that were more interesting. Um, and I think that uh, you know there there are definitely some some interesting implications that come about when you mix rich text editing with some of the other ways in which people like to work with um, components on the page, like uh, maybe the most important component or most popular component right now, React components. Um, how exactly have you thought about you know things like embedding React components or or or, or you know embedding videos? I know that you've thought about actually placing um, you know, sort of React views straight into these rich text editors. How's, how's that worked out for you all? I think that's definitely one of the more interesting things about uh, ProseMirror, because a lot of people seem to do that. Uh, they plug in their uh, re rendering engine, like there's uh, Vue.js. I know a project that TipTap uses Vue.js instead of React. Um, other project like Atlas Kit just built on React to render custom node views. And you can basically render um, everything in the editor that you would render on a website. So I saw a project um, where you render a PDF using a React view um, because there's this great uh, PDF, uh, uh, React PDF. Um, I think it's called React PDF. It's, it's a really cool project. And you just plug it in and you have a PDF inside your editor. That's really cool, right? There's a lot of other stuff that you can do just like that. And because ProseMirror is already built on this um, concept of immutable state, um, it, it's a really um, nice adoption to just use React uh, within ProseMirror. Of course, you can do everything without React. And um, I would argue that um, in Quill.js, um, it's really hard to use something like that, uh, React inside the editor. And, but still, you can do everything you want. You can build your uh, custom tables and stuff like that. But React certainly makes a lot of stuff easier for, because there's a lot of knowledge in React. And 
so it really makes stuff easier. Not only that, um, there's also the um, possibility to just reuse components uh, and them uh, combine the best out of the React world. And um, there was also important for us from, from, from a perspective of, of how to get, get developers like um, for this project that really we focused on those collaboration developers as well as React developers to, to get the best of the best here. I think we can all agree that um, you shouldn't manipulate the DOM uh, manually anymore. So uh, at this point, um, yeah, we have for the editor itself, uh, we have Crossmirror to handle the DOM and um, for custom views, like for any kind of custom stuff, um, for example, the um, how a table is built, like there are a lot of diffs around there, a lot of CSS. I, um, I wouldn't do that directly in the DOM and manipulate that information in the DOM directly. Um, because it's a lot of, um, there are a lot of um, edge cases that you need to handle and you can do a lot of stuff wrong. Um, so React really helps, I think. Yeah, and there, there was uh, one more specific requirement that is probably worth mentioning is uh, our comments. Uh, so we have these annotations or comments. Um, but, uh, and this is a very interesting aspect that we uh, learned over time. I mean, there, there was for once this requirement that uh, for a different permission level, it should be part of the document model. So we, we wanted to have it out of the document model. But it's also really interesting that um, if you start to do an annotation um, and you uh, share the document uh, model collaboratively on real time, you don't really want to like, if you're making a draft of a comment, you don't want to share that real time. So, um, and this is the same for, let's say, um, ad mentions. If you start typing, uh, you don't want the other person uh, or um, on the other end, like see the autocomplete suggestions. So you, um, this needs a little bit of rethinking because you basically have parts. The document model is really like the content that you want to share real time. But there's um, the other parts like user interface elements or, or annotations that are still in draft mode that you want to keep out of it. And then that's really, really useful to like share the same uh, component uh, uh, library um, so you can actually stay in the same system and, and not build, uh, build the editor with one um, uh, uh, UI library and then um, you have these other user interface elements with another library. It's really handy to, to, to use the same thing and, and uh, keeps us uh, sane and uh, easy to move forward. <laughs> Well put. Cool. <laughs> cool. Well, let's jump into some of the actual um, tools that are out there. I think I think that you know we've heard a lot of names thrown around. There's been a lot of very interesting uh, technologies mentioned, um, and a few that we haven't mentioned. You know, we've talked about ProseMirror briefly. We talked about DraftJS. Um, very briefly talked about you know Quill and CK Editor Five. But there's also some others. You know, um, there's Slate and TipTap. Um, what are some of the top open source, you know, you know, when we look at these open source editors in the market, um, uh, which ones were the ones that really were compelling uh, for you all? And um, what were some of the strengths and weaknesses? I think um, for me, the biggest strength, of, like we can talk about each of the editors separately. Maybe we go um, from the most popular ones. Maybe Fabian can explain something about CK5. He has the most experience with that. Sure. 
Sega Adler 5 is the uh, popular um, um, successor of the very, very popular Sega Adler 4. Um, it also switched to a JSON-based uh, model. Um, however, um, they do up and downcast everything. So what you basically in the end still get is HTML. So you have HTML, um, or you have structured HTML. So for example, you cannot have your hello tag the document would just not know what the heck is a hello tag or, or a blink tag. Uh, it would just ignore it and everything that's in it. Um, um, but basically, because what it does when it loads up, it loads this HTML, it loads it into its own uh, document model, which is also JSON based. And um, then it, it puts it out. Um, basically, CK205 is pretty strong, it has good accessibility. Um, and it also has nice collaboration. The collaboration just had one big flaw. It was not open source. <laughs> and um, this was unfortunately like a deal breaker in terms of the extensibility in that and also um, um, putting everything, anything out for, for everyone. I mean, Drupal is open source. Uh, we work a lot of with open source at Take One. We love open source. And it's so cool that Kevin as the developer of YJS is here. And um, that's also kind of how, how we found, found Kevin and others. We, we directly talk with the, with the people who are developing these editors and um, checked um, them for our project here. Many were interested in some part, etc. But that was kind of the team we then settled on. The ZK Editor 5 is, uh, is still a little bit young in its thing. Um, it has just recently gotten out of beta. Um, uh, so, um, Prosma has a little bit longer history in, in being stable and being used by those things. Would not be a concern because some other big players are setting on CK into a five. Um, but just saying um, experience in how long you work with something is always playing around. And then there's um, there's a huge compatibility break with CK into a four. So what could have been a huge advantage for CK into a five that all of our Drupal plugins would directly work with it, etc is no because there's just a real break between so CK into five is completely different product than CK into four. Which has its advantages, but there's no as there's no backwards compatibility, we kind of um looked more and the um collaboration model was not open source. We looked more at the other editors. Slate, for example, we've not talked much about it. It's a great editor. It has um from what I've seen the nicest plugin system. It's really cool, uh, very nice in that, but it's beta and it's beta and since a long time and um, we want something proven, we want something stable and something in beta where there could be hard VC breaks was just too much risk for us here in this project in that and um, Nick can maybe talk more about Slate because he knows. Um, Draft.js was more like um, the original Facebook thing, monolith, um, it's a great editor. It has a nice plugin system. It's React-based. Um, it is harder to extend overall um, in that. It is also aged a little bit in that um, it's, it's one of the more older editors in that. Also, the community is not as active as, for example, for Prosmower, where it's mainly Facebook committing some patches here and there and maintaining it in a stable state. But um, in the end, it didn't have the features we needed. So yeah, that was kind of the thing. TipTap was Woo. If, if anyone needs an editor for Woo.js, use TipTap, it's great. Um, 
and it's also Prosma basically. Um, so yeah, uh, but it's it's kind of like, like a product for Prosma for we. Uh, that's cool. And um, yeah, and then we kind of ended up with Prosmora and Quill, and that was kind of the, the huge um, race between Prosmora and Quill uh, doing that. Now, YJS voted both, so that was also no um, no thing here. But in the end, Prosmora won um, basically on the experience. Also, the tables plug in looked much nicer in its, in its um, experience and how, how it looked and everything. Uh, Quill, the database format is great and it's also a collaboration ready editor. It directly works, um, but you are then, um, you need to use um, the Delta format it provides and you then need to use ShareDB. And um, that again was putting our flexibility a little bit to the test. It's also OT based, which we talked a little bit about in the, in the other talk. If you're interested, check that out. Um, and we want really something that where in the end, maybe we never get there, maybe we will, but um, um, in the end, we could at least think about a future of offline editing. And that's again, something we talk about there. But Quill Prosma was really nice ways in that Prosma is more giving you a framework where you have like nothing and you build your own editor and Quill is like a ready-made editor. You plug it into your application, it just works. Yeah, it's great in that. Um, but as we had Atlas Kit, then Quill got out of the race. <laughs> yeah, and I understand that. Uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. I, I think this was one of the bigger selling points. Um, I think we had uh, Quill and Prosmera in the end uh, listed down and we compared it like Quill.js has ShareDB. It's a pro proven uh, concept, operational transformation. And um, it also works with YJS. Um, and uh, there are a lot of... Uh, a lot of companies that already use YJS with Quill.js. And then there's Prosmera. Prosmera has uh, all these features, a great community, um, and a lot of like, um, I think it, it has a really interesting concept. And most modern editors nowadays, like all the new editors that pop up, for example, at Atlassian, they are all built on Prosmera. And, um, and uh, we also have the Collab module, which is kind of like similar to OT. It's like a reconciliation approach. Um, it doesn't really handle conflicts as well as operational transformation, but it clearly works. It's, it's also a concept. And also, YJS works with Prosmera, so I got you there, because either way, um, we could choose any of the editors uh, with YJS, and this is what um, I really wanted to do. And I, I, we explained that and why we did that in the last web, uh, webinar. But um, I think the biggest selling point I felt was one, the community behind Prosmera, and um, when we saw Atlas Kit, and that, that we could just build on top of Atlas Kit, right? Because we had this uh, existing editor, a lot of features, nice tables, nice interactions. And uh, this is, I guess, the biggest selling point. Um, yeah, of Prosmera. A lot of uh, open source components that you can just use, plug into the editor, and it just works. So, yeah. Absolutely. And, and I, you know, one of the things I know, Nick, you mentioned about Prosmere was um, uh, the fact that Atlas Kit helped uh, so much more. Is there anything more that you wanted to mention about Atlas Kit? I mean, I think um, uh, uh, it's a very compelling story. Um, I think not much more to add. It's, I, I quickly could repeat that um, 
it, because there's so much there then that you really uh, um, you can simply start using Atlas Kit and you, you have a good head start. The biggest trouble you might have, um, and we, we we went through this, is that like this is a big uh, mono repository, um, so we had to like take out the part, the core editor that we needed, um, and and then uh, basically uh, continue to use the, the rest from from Atlas Kit and and take the bits and pieces or like slowly replace the bits and pieces that we that we um that we actually needed to to be changed but this was like from a uh from a uh demo or, or, or like the experience uh in this project was was very good because like in a very short period of time i think it was just a matter of like two weeks or so we had something ready to show that the client could try, use, and, and actually feel. And then, um, obviously, if, if you then can test with real users and so on, uh, or potentially real users, uh, then you, you, you're making better decisions than like just coming up with like, hey, and we might do this and that and have a button here. But if it takes you um, quite some time to slowly build it up, then rather starting from something that is like fully fleshed and then replacing bits and pieces, um, I think that was for, for like uh, product thinking and product development, uh, a, a really compelling story. Yeah, yeah that's really of possible for Atlas Kit. Yeah, so that was uh, um, uh, definitely Atlas Kit, very great for us. And that was um, what Nick was saying was part of our Aegis strategy uh, with his client um, that we are showing progress every two weeks and a huge demo and we're not only the client itself but there's a huge stakeholder team they can all watch the progress um, of that how it's done and um, that was really great to make a great impression quick um, in that and um, but not only a great impression quick what you shouldn't understand however Nick is how you definitely improved the build system <laughs> On a repo because I think it took like three minutes uh, at the start to just build everything and now you've put it down to 30 seconds and rebuilds are like 10 seconds and no longer like 30 seconds wait time like change some CSS wait 30 seconds yeah. drink coffee we should, we should say that um, props to Sebastian to, to me he really was digging into the webpack configuration and like um, getting the, the hot reloading working with, with good compile time yeah this was uh, this was really helpful to, for faster development there. <laughs> um, one thing I could add there though is like uh, um, about Atlas Kit is so Atlas Kit is not built with real-time collaboration in mind. So for example, certain features um, they do things like they, they use uh, they change the document model for just like showing different user interfaces um, and. Um, uh, so, for example, the, the, the ad mentions the, uh, that we are building and, and the, uh, the annotation or commenting section, um, we um, we basically we cannot use what's there in Atlas Kit, or we have to adopt it or, and change it um, because this would then be otherwise it would be synced across to other users, and we don't want that. Um, so, uh, while Atlas Kit was a good start, we now have to really. Um, especially with this uh, real-time collaboration in mind, we have to like change uh, uh, a lot of things, but that's fine. Uh, I think this was the strategy and the approach and, and um, it was a good one. Highly recommend it. <laughs>
I think it was built with uh, real time, but they use a custom version of the uh, Collet module, um, which is like a different uh, real time approach. So uh, we just plugged in the YGIS plugin. Yeah. Uh, so it, all the data that you have is like shared immediately. And I'm sure that they have some, um, I don't know, filtering on the back end happening. Mm. Filter that out, like all the data that you don't want to share. Um, I'm not exactly sure how that works, but also uh, back end at the Atlas Kit um, collaboration approach, it is, uh, I think, proprietary. Um, the source code is not available, I think. I'm not sure. I at least haven't seen it. <laughs> and I've researched everything on collaboration that's out there in the internet. There's even some prototypes from the New York Times that still can be found with a five year old ProSmile version. If someone big history. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, we are starting to run out of time, but I do want to give some opportunity to talk about some of the um, more interesting aspects here. Um, by the way, you know, what, what sort of additions have you made to ProSmere? Just very, very quickly. I know, I know Fabian, you've done some work on this. Yeah. So, so one of the important things, I've already talked a little bit about that um, with the um, uh, with how I explained the document models is um, we integrate ProSmere with Drupal. Now someone says, well, but yeah, Drupal supports many editors, but yes, only those of the old generation. So what we are now talking about is kind of, we have this JavaScript mega beasts that are usually run with Node, and they are coming to the old giants of PHP, like old, not in terms of being very old, but Drupal has been around 20 years in that, in this traditional PHP based, it displays HTML, that you store in a database, and then you have this Postmower and it has this JSON model. And how you usually would do that um, is you would take this JSON, run it through Node, Node would load a little instance of the editor, then it would display it, and then the web page would be delivered. We cannot do that because we are here basically bridging this old generation of editors with a new generation of editors. And that's very, very interesting because um, when I was starting up with that, the React developers were like, why do you want to output HTML? <laughs> why do we need that? And the Drupal developers were like, Jason? Why would we store Jason in the database? So we are storing <laughs> We are storing HTML, we are storing Jason, we are storing both in the database. We're storing the HTML only kind of like a cache um, for display purposes. So um, that's what we be displaying to the user. And um, the JSON is what we then feed again into Prosmora or Atlas Kit or our custom editor, in this case, um, for uh, loading up the same state as it was before. So that's very important in kind of that. So we don't need to store it to HTML, load the HTML again, store it again, and convert back and forth where we could be losing data where it's prone, but we are storing the document model of Prosma directly in the database. We are storing also the HTML so Drupal can display that. And um, that was a little bit of a challenge, uh, a challenge that the whole of um, Drupal 8 in some way or another um, will also face because we are now going kind of like with Drupal itself, with Drupal core into this direction of this new generation of editors. So that's a, a lot of challenges and I hope we can speak in more detail about that at some other point, but um, it's really interesting. And then also just loading this whole React and then 
we have a front end, which is still jQuery based to many persons and Ajax based. And it's all this traditional how Drupal used to work in that. Then you know, this new framework comes and now you want your admissions, but also work on this and traditional Drupal comments. And you have to combine these two worlds and that's very, very interesting. So and it seems that, oh, sorry, go ahead. That we, there's one part that we did that was really exciting for me, besides all of those mentions, collapses, uh, sections, um, and the collaboration and shared editing. But, yeah. Well, unfortunately, we are out of time. Um, and uh, you know, I did want to get to uh, uh, talking about the integrations, but clearly, we will have to save that for another time. Um, uh, I just wanted to say thank you so much uh, to um, all of you in the audience for watching or listening to uh, the Lag Team talk. Uh, for all of the things that you've heard in this call, uh, in this webinar, um, things like uh, Pros Mirror, things like YJS, things like uh, DraftJS, all of these things, we're going to have links with all of these technologies uh, that you can take a look at. Um, by the way, please don't forget to check out our previous webinar, the inaugural uh, Tag Team Talk about shared editing, collaborative editing. And by the way, if you're interested in learning about a particular area or a certain topic, uh, please feel free to reach out to us and the team at Tag Team Talks at tagoneconsulting.com. I want to give a big thank you to uh, our guests today. Um, you know, first and foremost, uh, 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 Nick Graf, our senior software engineer uh, based in Austria, Fabian Franz, senior technical architect and performance lead, and Kevin Jans, uh, real-time collaboration systems lead and creator of YJS, and of course, the managing director of Tag One, Michael Myers. Uh, this is Preston So. Thank you all so much, and until next time, take care.